0: Of sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. And so Paul reminds us that it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So it was a beautiful afternoon. Maybe a little bit like the afternoon that we're going to have in a little bit of time when we leave this place. And the people who were gathered in Jerusalem went up to the temple to sit and listen to this rabbi from Neth, who taught them not like their own rabbis did, always quoting from Rabbi Such and Such and Rabbi So and So, but speaking as one who had authority. That is, it was a nice afternoon until this beautiful moment of teaching was interrupted by the big cheeses. The big bosses, the cabinet ministers, and all their aides-de-camp all showed up trucking into the temple, marching right up to this itinerant preacher from Nazareth, and beginning to question him. They're loaded for bear, you see, and they are ready to ask the million-dollar question and see what exactly this Jesus is going to say. And then they drop it. So, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Now, before we rush to Jesus' side, which, of course, is our immediate inclination, because we are, after all, Christians, and we want to be standing by the Christ, let's just give a moment and a little bit of a pause to reflect on these poor big cheeses and big bosses. Because you see, unlike Jesus, they have to live, as my dad used to say, in the real world. They have to deal with things as they are, not things as they would like them to be and unicorns and clouds and wonderful comings of the kingdom of God and miracles. They have to pay the bills. They have to keep the temple going. They have to keep the Jewish people together and they are under an incredible amount of pressure. Rome is breathing down their necks and it is Passover week and the tension level has gone on a scale of 1 to 10 to 11. And here is this itinerant Jewish rabbi standing in the midst of all that gunpowder, all that spilled gasoline, and merely striking matches. That's where these chief priests are when they walk into that temple court and marched themselves through the crowds, which probably parted ways for them, just like the waters of the Red Sea parted ways for Moses, and look him in the face and say, by what authority are you doing these things? Let's clear this up. That's basically what they're asking, right? Let's get things back to normal. Let's diffuse the situation. Let's calm everything down and get this business of who you are cleaned up. And then we can go back to normal. Masks off, no more hand sanitizer. Everybody can just go back to the way things were and there will be peace. The problem is as Jesus sees it, that normal is not very good. From God's perspective, normal is not okay. There have been years of normal in Israel, and they have set the younger generation's teeth on edge, too many bunches of sour grapes. And when we take on authority as human beings, as these chief priests and leaders of the Jewish people have, it tends to freeze sin in place. We are just not very good at authority. We humans. And when we take on religious authority, it tends to leave God with no freedom to act. Now, leaving behind Jesus' encounter with the big bosses and that showdown in the Temple of Jerusalem, we find Paul in a slightly different showdown with the church in Philippi, where at least for the most part, it's a showdown where they're on the same side. All the things that flow from power and human authority, selfish ambition, conceit, grumbling about those above us, and arguing and disputing with those below us, Paul says, must go. There's no room for this in the Christian church, Paul says. It has no place in the life of the Christian. In its place, Paul says, the church, the people of Christ who have been baptized in the name of Jesus, who have had their sins taken away, who regularly gather to eat Christ's body and blood, must be of the same mind, to have the same love, to count others more significant than themselves, to, in the words of the famous musical, grumble less, agree more, talk less of what they're against and more of what they're for, namely, Jesus. Now, if you've read this chapter carefully, What you'll note is that Paul isn't saying there are those in the world with authority and those without. Paul actually says the Christians have the greatest authority of all. But our authority exists not so that we can lord it over others and preserve the sinful status quo that puts our desires and passions first, that puts our ambitions first, that puts us at the top of the pyramid and everybody else underneath. But instead what Paul says is that in our baptisms we have been given the authority to shine. We have been given the authority to bring light into a world that cannot see. Be blameless and innocent, Paul writes. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. Now going back to Jerusalem and our temple And this beautiful afternoon that now has turned on edge and no doubt people on the edge of the crowd are sort of quietly dissipating and finding a way to get themselves out of this mess. Other people are getting a little bit riled up and the whole thing is kind of tense. If you had asked those big bosses, the big Jesus who had gone up to confront Jesus, where their authority came from, there's no doubt in my mind that they would have said it comes from God. The Lord of Israel himself had given them that authority. It came through Moses. It came through the tradition. It came through generation upon generation of religious thought and development. They would have been able to answer that question, no problem. Then if you ask them the follow-up question, what is that authority for? Why has God given you these positions of authority. I don't think you would have gotten the biblical answer. The intent or the answer that they probably would have given is, well, we have it in order to preserve the cultural and religious status quo, the preservation of the people and the nation-state of Israel. Israel has remained faithful. Israel has remained steadfast. We have kept the Law. We have kept the temple rites. Everything is as it's supposed to be. But a living, breathing trust in the God of Israel as the one who had promised to deliver a fallen humanity from sin starting with eve going through abraham and then all of the descendants the promises made even through moses that god would send a prophet like himself to deliver the people the promise to david that his house would produce someone who would sit forever on the throne the goal of israel being the light in the darkness being the city Set on the hill, being the place where a hopeless world could go to find a God of hope and salvation, that had been lost. Or at least conveniently buried, so they didn't have to worry about that all that much. Coming to the truth. And the reminder of what God was at work doing and now specifically in his son was no longer all that important to these people who claimed their authority came from God. The baptism of John, Jesus asks, where did it come from, from heaven or from man? Surely you guys have done some Bible study. Surely you've gone back through all of these rabbis that you're constantly sorting to come up with an answer. This is the religious question of the age. Surely you can tell me what the answer is. But disputing amongst themselves, they said, well, if we say from heaven, then he's going to say, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from man, the crowd is going to crucify us. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. The safe answer. The answer that preserves the status quo, but not a godly answer. You and I, dear Christian friends who have this light, who have this gift from God, have to watch out for the same thing. Do not presume that somehow you and I are more special than those Pharisees and Sadducees and other scribes and leaders of the Jewish faith. We can let tradition blind us to the clear word of God. We can let the way things have always been blind us to what God continues to do amongst us and the light that we are supposed to bring to the people of Israel. How often are we frightened Even pastors, when somebody says, why do we do that? Why do we believe that? Are we ready to go back, like Luther and the Reformers did, to the Scriptures, to search them diligently, to be sure that whenever we say something and whenever we do something, it is not, thus saith the pastor, or thus saith Ascension Lutheran Church, or thus saith the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, But rather, with confidence and boldness, we can say, thus saith the Lord. Jesus has bestowed on each and every one of us the highest authority that God can give. The authority to stand before kings and governors and say, I am a child of God. God has named me. He has given me purpose. He has told me that no one can snatch me out of his son's hand. I am his and he is mine. There is no greater authority that anyone can bestow on anyone in the world. I often tell the confirmants, the most important document you will ever have in your life is not your passport. It's not your sin card back when we used to have those. It is your baptismal certificate. I know whose I am. No longer is authority, though, about who has the power to bend people to their will. That is not why we were baptized. The authority we have been given is about the authority to do good and not fear the consequences. It is about us having the authority to bring light even to the darkest of places we have the authority to shine. We have the authority to be light rather than the authority to bring darkness through fear and hopelessness and oppression. We have the authority to speak the truth and to proclaim Christ as Savior and Lord. And believe me, my dear, dear friends, if you... Don't think that the world needs a little bit of light right now. (laughs) Go spend a little bit more time on the web. Scroll your Facebook feed. I am amazed at even the pastors and the Christians that have filled their Facebook pages with stuff that has nothing to do with Christ. If you want people to stop liking your posts, post a Bible verse. People pass over those in a second. And yet that's precisely what our world needs right now. I know that my wife, at this point, talking about the world needing a little bit of light, is probably thinking about a certain hymn, favorite one of ours, written by James Taylor. Sometimes hymns are even written by atheists. Can't get no light from the dollar bill. Don't give me no light from a TV screen. When I open my eyes, I want to drink my fill from the well on the hill. Do you know what I mean? Shed a little light, O Lord so that we can see just just a little light, O Lord. Now, at this point, you might be saying, but we're baked into this disastrous cake that we call real life, right? We're living through the pandemic just like everybody else. We're dealing with having to stay home from work or having lost our jobs just like a whole bunch of other people. How can we be light to them? Well, the reality is, in and of yourselves and in and of myself, we can't. Our hearts feel just as dark as everyone else's does, and our lives feel like they're in as much dark as everyone else's. But there is good news, because after all, we are a good news place. And the good news that I give to you right now comes right back from this epistle that Paul writes to the Philippians. It is is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It will not be your light that shines, but God's. This little light of mine will fail. It will go out, if that's what I think I'm bringing into the world, but the light of Christ never goes out. With his full authority, which is as bright as the burning sun, the authority that cleanses from sin, will we shine in the world? Remember what happened with the paralyzed man. Jesus encounters these friends who cut a hole in a roof, drop a man down in front of him, thinking that Jesus is going to cure his paralysis. And Jesus looks at him, and what light does he shine into that man's life? Your sins are forgiven you. It's not why we brought him here, Jesus. We want him to be able to walk again. Ah, but he'll walk again, and he'll still be in darkness. He still won't be able to see. He'll trip, fall, and break his elbow, and then he's going to have to deal with that, or he's going to lose his job, or sudden death of a friend or a parent, and then what's he going to do? But if he can go back out into the world knowing that his transgressions are no more, and he has a clear conscience, and that God is not against him, but on his side, what kind of light will God shine through a person like that? And so Jesus asks another question of the Pharisees. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then says to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to man. The best light that you can shine into the world is to say to somebody who comes to you and says, I've made a mess of my life. I've made a mess of our friendship. I've made a mess of everything. I can't go on, and I don't believe anyone cares about who I am, to be the light that shines on them and says, my friend, your sins are forgiven. And just watch how face of just dejection can turn around in that moment. The world sees authority as a zero-sum game. If somebody has authority, then somebody else doesn't. somebody has authority, they're free, and the ones who don't have that authority and power are enslaved. That is not how Jesus looks at power. The verses that we skipped in our epistle reading are my final words to you today. The sandwich verses, but I wanted to save them. So I could read them right here. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Did not see his authority as something that could be used to enslave people. But continuing on in verse 7, Paul writes, But emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and being born in the likeness of men, and found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. All so that he could take up his life again and give authority to you and I to continue to shine the light of Christ into a world that needs to see, to continue to bring good news into a world that is drowning in nothing but bad. And so may the grace, mercy, and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ guard and keep you always in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. If you'd like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening. And God bless your week.